All weekend long, I get the chills every time they do that song. That's amazing. Hey, show your appreciation to these guys for leading us. Hey, welcome to Lakeside, the first weekend of a new year. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. I would love to meet you out in the lobby, grab a donut. It's vitamin D, okay? Just call it that. And come and say hi to me afterwards. It'd be fantastic. You came on a good weekend because as Josh said, we're kicking off a new series. It's all about relationships. And this series will take us all the way up into February where we're hosting a conference, and we're calling that Conference One, and it's all about marriages. And the question that we're asking is, is it getting better? And I can't think of a better way to start a brand new year because relationships are so powerful, aren't they? I mean, you think about the mystery of falling in love, the beauty of a child being born, or maybe you've had that experience where you're sitting across the table from somebody, and it's just a great meal, and there's this connection, and you have this deep, amazing conversation with a good friend, or maybe you imagine like I do, growing old together with the one that you love. Most of the joy that we experience in life seems to come from relationships. But also on the other side of that coin, if I were to ask you, where does most of the pain in life come from? What would you say? Relationships. I asked a bunch of high school kids that one time and they said, homework. And I said, no, this too shall pass. It's okay. <laughs> no, you, th- you think about a broken friendship or a marriage that has been torn apart. Some of you have kids and they've gotten older and they don't want anything to do with mom and dad anymore. It's painful. For some of you these days, maybe maybe the pain that you're experiencing is the lack of relationship. And because we were created for community, close, meaningful relationships, There's this emptiness that you experience in your life. Relationships are so powerful. And God wants our relationships to thrive, to grow, to be beautiful. And when they do, life can be magical. You know what that's like. But you also know that we don't get there by accident, right? I mean, we know this instinctively and we also know it through our experience. Whenever we see a musician play beautifully or, or, or when we see an athlete execute perfectly just when they need it, or maybe you've been to a movie and the acting was so good, you just get lost in the story. You forget for a couple of hours who you are. Or maybe a magician who has honed his craft so well that just for a little bit, they make you believe in magic. But we know it doesn't happen by accident. One of my coaches used to say that we all have to put in the work, right? And so life is filled, relationships are filled with all of these small, sometimes mundane, and yet profound rhythms or actions or steps or ways of living that add up to this magical relationship that we dream about. I like to say that healthy relationships are like Bob. You know, Bob from What About Bob? One of my favorite movies of all time. 
We laugh every time we watch this as a family. There's Bob who has all these phobias and he can barely leave his apartment, but he's got to go see his therapist who's far away. So he's got to get on the bus and he's there with his goldfish around his neck. And he says, baby steps onto the bus, baby steps down the aisle. We know that it's again and again and again and again, all these steps. And what I'm, what I'm saying is that it's much more than smoke and mirrors. Healthy relationships, thriving relationships, they, they don't happen overnight. But we also can't fake those types of relationships over the long haul. And the scriptures have something to say about that, actually. The scriptures have something to say about our marriages and our parenting and our friendships and all of that. But before we even get to that, and we will get to those things throughout the next uh, several weeks here. But before we get there, the scriptures invite us to do something a little bit different. To actually to pay attention to the one that we bring into all of our relationships, the person that you bring into every single relationship that you have. And what I mean is this. About 27 and a half years ago, I brought in 22-year-old Sean to my relationship with Holly. And she brought in 17-year-old Holly. And, and, and you know, you might be wondering why she never changes and why she dated Jim Carrey for a while. I don't know. <laughs> genetics and genetics. But every day since then... No matter when it was, I brought in Sean, the good Sean, sometimes, the bad Sean, and sadly, sometimes the ugly Sean. And you've done the same. And so the scriptures invite us to do something before we get into relationships, or if we're in a relationship, in the middle of that relationship that we want to get better and to grow. And it's, scriptures say, hey, why, why don't you... Turn the mirror on yourself for just a little bit at the beginning of a brand new year and ask the question, hey, how am I doing in my own life? And so if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament part of the Bible, and if you don't have a physical copy of the scriptures, we have some copies out by the doors. We would love for you to grab one of those and take it home. That would be fantastic. And if you have the version app, I've actually included some books that have been helpful for me over the years. And maybe, maybe, you know, it's a new year and you want to read something new. I think I've listed about seven or eight books on there that I think are all fantastic. And so you can look on there. We have the scripture passages and some other things in there as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 begins this way. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which basically means a useless, empty way of life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul the Apostle, who's writing this letter to this ancient church in the city of Ephesus, says to all of them, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
We're going to begin this journey today through this passage that kind of goes to the end of the chapter. And if we were to keep reading, we would hear about marriages. We would hear about wives, and we will hear about husbands. But then Paul keeps writing, and he actually talks about another relationship. He calls it a profound mystery. It's this relationship between the risen Jesus and his followers who are sometimes called the church or sometimes the bride of Christ. And one of the things that we're going to see on this journey, one of the things that Paul wants us to know is that that profound relationship, that mysterious relationship, actually that eternal relationship will inform every other single relationship that we have marriages included. And he begins by just saying, hey, live in your relationships with wisdom. You know, wisdom is one of the best gifts that we could give to any relationship that we have, to live a life of wisdom. And in the Hebrew mindset, and and this included Paul and all the other writers of Scripture, to live with wisdom meant to live life with skill under God's leadership. Because they never divorced, they never separated wisdom from a relationship with God. And so Paul begins by saying, you want your relationships to be magical, begin to walk with wisdom. And he says this, even if we were to back up to the very beginning of the chapter and kind of read it in context, Paul invites people into this way of living, this way of life, the way of Jesus. And so if we were to back up and look at verse 1, In this same chapter, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Do you know that you are a dearly loved child of the king? We'll come back to that. That, That's a profound thought for a brand new year in our lives. He says, and walked in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering offering and sacrifice to God. Paul is saying, look, you guys, because you know this love, this unconditional and this amazing and this sacrificial love, bring that into all your relationships. And if you do, you will be living a life of wisdom. And so let's just pause and start there for a minute. As dearly loved children, do you believe down to the core of your being that God absolutely is head over heels unconditionally in love with you just as you are and not as you should be because on any given day, none of us is as we should be and none of us are yet as we shall be on this journey with Jesus. I mean, do you know it down to your toes? I talk with people all the time of all ages, people that have been in church their whole life. I talk with people that read the Bible from beginning to end, that study the Bible, that have degrees in the Bible. I talk to people that, hey, man, I'm here. It's all, all year, or new year all here. Man, I'm here all year long. Are you kidding me? But that's not my question. My question is, do you know that God loves you? That's a whole different ballgame. 
And if we can begin this new year by embracing the love of God and being set free to be able to share that with others, oh man, now we're talking magical relationships. You know a great picture, a great picture of someone that is just free to love? I mean, someone that, that hasn't figured out uh, guilt and shame and how all that works. They haven't realized that they have to hustle for acceptance yet. It's, it's the picture of a child. I mean, you know this. If you have little kids, if you've ever had little kids, if you've ever seen little kids, you know how free they are just to be themselves, especially when they know that mommy and daddy absolutely love them. What would it be like to bring that kind of security, that kind of love into the relationships that you have right now in your life, into the relationships that you hope to have in the future? God God wants that for us. And this is a good starting point for us at the beginning of a new year. Paul's going to continue on in this passage, and he's going to talk about some other things. He's going to talk about uh, making the most of every opportunity because the days, he says, are evil. What he means is that the current of life and the current of culture so often pushes against having the kind of magical, healthy relationships that we want. And then he says, redeem the time. Literally, make the most out of every opportunity. It's redeem the time in the Greek. Redeem it. Buy it back. To redeem means that you take something that's old and useless or, or maybe that, that's been harmful and you, you redeem it. You make it new. Or you purchase something and you set it free. This is what it means to redeem. How can we do that? How can we redeem the time in our lives so that we can make the most out of every single relationship that we have? Let's think about that for a minute. Maybe, maybe it means to pay attention. I mean, maybe it means to pay attention, like to live in the present or to be fully present. I mean, you know what it's like, right, to talk to people and, and you're not really sure if they're with you and you're not really sure if, if they're paying attention. Maybe they're kind of looking over their shoulder or you're a little bit distracted. And you know what that's like when you come home from a long day and, 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 and your spouse is trying to have this deep conversation with you and you're just not really sure if you could do it or one of your kids is trying to get your attention. You know what it's like not to have any margin in your life, to be exhausted mentally, to be exhausted right here, emotionally, spiritually. You, you may wonder sometimes, because I know that some of you guys ask, and I know you ask Brad and you ask Pastor John as well, you, you, sometimes you ask, well, how do, you guys, how do you guys get ready for these talks? I'm curious, like what's your... What's your process? And we all three of us have a different process. And uh, usually, usually it starts on Monday and, and we're praying and we're talking and we've been discussing the topic for a while and maybe doing some research and that sort of stuff. But on Mondays, we start to write and we ask questions and, 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 and we'll pray. And we, it, for me, it leads all the way up until Thursday. And Thursday is kind of like, it, it, it's the time. Like, it's got to be done before I leave on, on a Thursday. And so sometimes I'm, I'm burning the midnight oil up in the office there. And sometimes I go home early. But then Friday morning, I wake up 
and I have this glorious cup of coffee, and it's just amazing. And I'm smiling because I know that the, you know, it's shrink-wrapped, it's printed out, it's done. And, and, and I pull out the message, and I'm talking with my family, and I kind of go over it. And then on those Fridays, I'll take a walk. And I'll usually walk between four and seven miles on those Fridays. And you do know that when we write these talks, that we're talking this way as well, right? All of us are talking right at ourselves. And so inevitably, on this journey, somewhere between Monday and this walk, and it usually happens about halfway through the walk, and so Friday it happened at about three and a half miles, God just hits me like a ton of bricks. And he goes, hey, I have something for you, Sean. I don't know, I don't know how your life rolls, but I spend way too much time in this building. I spend way too much time reading really good books. I spend way too much time counseling. I spend way too much time trying to resolve conflict that actually isn't my conflict. I spend way too much time leading meetings and leading initiatives. I spend way too much time coaching my son's basketball team. Why a middle school kid needs 45 plays, I will never know. It's dumb. Pull back a little bit, Sean. I sometimes I spend way too much time riding down to Sacramento or over in the gym or wherever. And if you're like me, we subtly get lured in to this false thinking that somehow busyness is a badge of honor. When I was in college and somebody used to say, oh, look how many books I'm reading or look what I'm doing, we had a group of friends that used to sarcastically say, oh, who are you trying to impress? But we get lured into this. I'm driven just like you are. This is the culture that we swim in. And if we continue to live that way, we will not have margin for one another. We will not be able to pay attention and be fully present. But this is one of the things that makes our relationships magical. This is one of the ways to redeem the time. And so, do you have margin with your thinking these days? Do you have margin emotionally? How about physically? Are you just too physically tired to be able to be in the present? Another way that I think that we can redeem the time is to learn from and leverage the past. You know, to to look at your story, to look back at your story and go, okay, what can I learn from that and how can I leverage that for my present and for my future? Because the past is the past and we don't get to go back, but can we use the past? And so maybe for you at the beginning of of a new year, you will get away for a half a day. In fact, let me encourage you to get away for at least a half a day. Go to a coffee shop. Go to the mountains. Go to the coast. Go somewhere where you can sit and you can open up a little journal and then make a list. Make a list of things in your past. Some things in your past, if we were to share stories right now, you would celebrate them. Make a list of those things. Start with the positive, things that you celebrate from your past. But then also, all of us have the pain from our past. And so make a list of that as well. Just start to write those things out. And then what would it look like if you just decided to take that list and pray about that for 30 straight days? Maybe you decide to share that list with somebody else and you begin to talk about your story. And you begin to get their perspective on your story. 
And then what if nothing really happened after 30 days and you just decided, well, I'm going to pray for 30 more days to see what God does? One of the things that we have people do in Begin at Lakeside is to write out their story. Our stories are powerful, and your story is your story. The Apostle Paul didn't get over his story. If you read the book of Acts, he keeps on telling his story over and over and over. If you read his letters and the other writers as well, they will be autobiographical at times because they knew how powerful their story was, and they wanted to learn from it and leverage it. Paul was a religious terrorist. Make no mistake about it. He was an evil man. He was heading in the wrong direction. People were afraid of him when he showed up in Jerusalem. The religious leaders couldn't stand him. He was on their team and he's off their team. He had to be lowered in a basket over the Jerusalem wall just to get out of there. He would use the humble parts of his story, the painful parts. He would use the parts that he could celebrate. The thing is, is that God wants us to know our story. He wants us to tell our story. He wants to tell it, tell us to tell it often, and he wants us to learn how to tell it well. Maybe that's a way that you can redeem the time and make the most out of every opportunity. Pay attention. Learn from and leverage your past. And then maybe, maybe we can be strategic about the future. So Joshua was mentioning finances early on. Maybe some of you are, are hitting bottom financially these days. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you are empty relationally these days. We do so much around Lakeside in the area of connection. I mean, we have fi- Financial Peace University, and you might just find that you're connecting with people around the table, talking about the same struggles. Or no, you know, maybe for you, maybe for you it's, it's going to this barbecue for men we have at the end of the month. Or maybe for you, this Tuesday night, we have a ladies' night out, and maybe there's an opportunity for you to connect in there. Or maybe for you, it's getting into a grow group for the very first time. All of the things we do at Lakeside connect to the mission of Lakeside, which is transformation. And we know that people are so often transformed through coming in the relationship with God together with one another. God's created us for that community. Maybe you've hit bottom, so to speak, spiritually. You've hit the wall. You're at the end of your rope. Maybe this year is the year where you start to read through the scriptures and you start in John chapter 1 and you just keep going. Or maybe you start in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and you just keep going. We actually have a small group where that's what they do. They start in Genesis chapter 1. And they just keep going to the end of the year. Maybe this is the year where you begin to talk to God and and journal some things out. Maybe you start to choose a, a passage of Scripture and you start to memorize it and think about it a little bit deeper. There's all sorts of spiritual rhythms that we can jump into. Maybe this is the year where you say to everybody, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to be baptized Because Jesus has set me free, and my relationship with the risen Jesus is going to inform every other relationship that I have. This is one of the reasons why we do baptisms out in the open, in public, because it's such a celebration. Redeem the time. Make the most out of every opportunity in 2018. Pay attention, learn and leverage the past, and be strategic. Plan out for the future. We don't know the future. We don't know what it holds. But God gives us the opportunity 
to take some steps and follow his leadership. Paul has a lot of other things to say in this passage. We can't dive deep into all of it, but, but he does say some interesting things. For example, he talks about knowing what the Lord's will is. I used to work with college students for a long time, and they, they would always say, what is God's will for my life? And the question they were really asking is, who should I marry? And I would say, well, a Jesus follower, there's a whole bunch of them, take your choice, you know? And, and, but, but this idea of knowing what the will of the Lord is, and then he starts to talk about not getting drunk, which was never about alcohol, it was never about wine, it's always been about influence. What's influencing you? Whose influence are you under? And he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the original language, it's in the middle tense, which means that it's like a continuous action. It's, it's, like, it's like if I held an empty glass and I had a pitcher of water and I started to pour it. And it just filled up and it started to overflow. But I just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. Literally, in the Greek, it's be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the influence. This is the lens that we see everything else through is that relationship that we have with God. You do know that, that when you decide to surrender your life and follow Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives in you. But it doesn't mean that we're always influenced by that Spirit. The Spirit never leaves us. He never forsakes us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says that even, even when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his own character. In Hebrews 13, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that he's not going to leave, but it doesn't always mean that we're influenced by the Spirit of God. And Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he starts to talk about things like singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts towards God. There's just something about the way that we talk to one another and, and, we, and we share what God is doing in our life. We share the truth of the scriptures with one another. There's something life-giving about that for our relationship that actually makes them magical. And there's just something about music. There's a reason why when we gather together, we sing. I mean, we can sing by ourselves like I do, and we can sing when the music's really loud like I do because I don't have the Josh voice, thank you very much. But there's something magical about that. In the Old Testament, it says that God puts a new song in our heart. What's your song going to be this year? Sing and make melody in your heart towards God. And then he talks about being thankful. I had an old mentor of mine when I first started to walk with Jesus. Old man came alongside me, um, gave me some great advice on lots of different things. And one of the things he told me is that in your journey with Jesus, there's going to be moments. If you, if you stick with him long enough, there's going to be moments where you just hit a wall. You're at the end of your rope. You feel like you're on the ledge. And, and, and man, you might not even have words to say to God. It's like everything is just dried up. You're in this desert, and you don't even really know what to say. And he says, Sean, when that happens, I want you to start by just being thankful for one thing. I opened my eyes today. My heart's beating. I have some breath. And he's, then he says, and then be thankful for another thing. I got some food. Just, just start with the simple things. And then just let it keep going. 
And his mentoring was wise because he knew that I was going to hit some walls in my life. And you have too. And when I've done that, I've started with those simple things. And then at about 45 minutes to an hour later, it's like the floodgates have opened. And there is this connection that is profound and mysterious. And it's hard to explain. But one thing I know is that thankfulness is transformational. It changes something in us. Bring that into your relationships. And finally, Paul ends up this passage passage, uh, talking about something that has been rather misunderstood for about 2,000 years, quite frankly. Not all the time, but often. It's one of the most misused and abused words in the whole Bible. And it's the word submit or submission. And there's actually this connecting sentence that connects everything that has happened so far in this chapter with everything that will happen after this. And it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because of Jesus, because of what he's done, because of who he is, submit to one another. Now, biblical submission means to come underneath and to support. Literally, the the Greek word means to come underneath and support and to lift up and to strengthen and to encourage. So Paul is saying everyone should do that for one another. Husbands and wives, come underneath and support and lift up one another. Children, submit to your parents. Parents, do you realize that you need to submit in that way to your children. Come underneath and support them and encourage them. Friends, bosses, employees, whatever it might be. You see, you can't manipulate or force biblical submission. You can manipulate and force other types of submission that aren't so healthy, but not that type. It's a willingness to come underneath the other person and support them. And isn't this what Jesus has done for us? Paul says in Philippians 2, have this same attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, live the way that Jesus lived, who although he existed as God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, Instead, he emptied himself. He submitted himself. And he took on the form of a bondservant and was made in the likeness of humanity, of you and me. And being found in appearance as you and me, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is the antithetical upside-down way of Jesus because therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of that, submit to one another. Hold one another up and your relationships will be magical. And you might say, at the beginning of this year, I'm exhausted. There's too much pressure. 
I'm stressed out in my life. Jesus knows. He knows exactly what you're feeling. Jesus is on the way to do something really important, like like heal a little girl before she dies. And the crowds are pressing in on him. And people are pulling at him. And there's a woman there that probably hasn't had human contact in 12 years. She's been suffering. She reaches out for his cloak to be healed. He senses power going out from him, and he's looking around, and his disciples are like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Jesus won't stop until he finds her, and he calls her daughter, a term of endearment. Jesus says, get out of the way, disciples, because I want the little children to come to me. I've got time for them. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down from that tree because I'm going to have a meal at your house today. Yeah, I know that you're a cheater and you're a swindler and you haven't been honest and you've stolen from people, but I'm going to eat and spend time with you. You're my friend. It's Jesus saying to Martha, you're distracted by so many things, but Mary, she has chosen that which is better and this will not be taken from her. It's Jesus saying to the judges all around him, leave the woman alone, this sinful woman who has anointed me for my burial. She has done something beautiful and what she has done will never be forgotten. It's Jesus who has enough time in the middle of the night to have a deep, long conversation with Nicodemus. God has time for you. You are his dearly loved child. So this year, lean into that, receive that, and begin to walk in the way of love. And as we do that, our relationships will be magical. This community will be a force of magical relationships in the region that we're in. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thanks so much for your unconditional and forever love. God, I pray that all around this room this morning that our hearts would be open to that love. Maybe some of us for the very first time would invite you in to take control of our lives. Maybe some of us, for the first time in a long time, would invite you in. God, that's our prayer, because you're a God of change, you're a God of transformation, you're a God of beautiful, magical relationships. And so as we start this journey together in this new year and in this new series, may you be powerful and do the things that only you can do. We invite you, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.